Hello and welcome to the Nightcap Film Club with me, Simon Alexander, podcaster and daytime cooking show contestant. I'm sat at home in my little office, which thankfully is the coolest room in my house. Uh, and as is Paul Foster in his home, how you doing, mate? I'm not bad, mate. How are you doing? Yeah, good. Just fucking hot. Oh, we were just saying off yeah. that. We just went. I just went in swimming in the river. A minute oh, I'm ago. so jealous. Yeah, <laughs> I had a bath earlier. I just shut the door away from the kids and just Did you? lay in a really cool bath. Um, oh, it was amazing. It was. Yeah. Oh just, yeah. Just There's nothing out. better than cold water. It's like literally being on holiday, but yeah. in the UK. And that's what I realised I don't like. Like when we go abroad. We're just like sat like pigs on deck chairs with a pint in our hand. <laughs> pigs and 30- on deck chairs, true. Yeah. And it's like, oh, 30 degrees is amazing. But in this country, when we're trying to work and like get the kids ready, it's like, no, yeah. I don't know. I don't want, yeah. I want, I want 15, highs of 15, overcast, drizzle. <laughs> that is what you I see, want. You see, I don't mind this. It just, I, all I'm asking for is just a bit of a breeze. Like I've got every window and door open apart from the front door. Yeah. And it's just nothing. It'd be the same if it was closed. Just a little yeah, you're breeze. Right. No, Larry. no draft at all. Actually, here's some science for people listening. If you, this is a great tip, and I did this last night. Um, before you go to bed, because obviously going to bed warm, that is horrible. That is like shit yeah. part of the day. Isn't it? Awful. The temptation is to go and have a really cold shower, and then get into bed. Yeah. Do the opposite. Go in the shower and have a normal or hot shower, like you would. Yeah. And what that does is you sweat it out a bit and -hmm. it keeps your blood nice and thin. And then naturally when you get out of the shower and then go into your bedroom or wherever, and if there's a fan on or a little draft, your body, because of the the sweat and everything, will start to try and cool down for several hours after. Whereas if you go for a cold shower, all of your pores close up, you stop sweating, your blood thickens, you then get out and and your body's trying to heat up again really quickly. Yeah. No way. Yeah, so it's the opposite. Do, go I'm for like, it. And I did it, did it last night. Best I've slept this week. Oh, I might do that later. I, I slept terrible last night. Windows, oh. everything open, bugs in my face. I think I ate a few. It's like being on a bike ride. <laughs> and then, yeah, I woke up having really weird dreams at like three in the, th- three in the morning. I went to oh, really? buy a macaw um, parrot. And what? then I got my finger stuck in its neck. <laughs> it was really funny. Right? I know what? this is totally random. I what wanted a dog. I wanted a right. dog, but I couldn't get a dog. And we were having a street party. It was such a weird dream. <laughs> so I just got up and walked off to the pet shop to buy a macaw. And I bought this big, beautiful yellow macaw, green and red through it. Yeah. And I was carrying it back. And it was like motionless. It was like in this fucking stealth mode, just staring right. at me. And I was like tickling the back of his neck. And my finger went in the back of his neck and it was trapped, like completely trapped. And I couldn't <laughs> get it out. And I went back to this street party where it's all completely changed. And yeah. I just couldn't, couldn't get my finger out. I couldn't get it out. Oh and it was killing everyone trying to pull it off. And then managed to get it off. And then I woke up. And I was getting like really panicky, like my finger was trapped and I was going to yeah. kill this bird. Woke up, my because um, I was on, I was on the sofa. Woke up and my head, my hand was behind my head and my finger was trapped behind my head. Oh, and, like, my finger was completely numb and I couldn't oh, bend it or wow. anything. That is, that's next level. It's like three D yeah. dreaming. That is. I know. Yeah. <laughs> Mad. That is, uh, no, I've got nothing to report, and I wish I did because that was a cracker. Um, <laughs> Oh, nice one, mate. Right, well, here we are, Nightcap Film Club, episode nine. And where are we at now? We are at Julie... I keep getting it the wrong way around. Julie and Julia? Julia and Julie. Julie and Julia, isn't it? Julie I think and it's Julia. called. It's that way. Yeah, yeah that, I kept getting it the wrong this, way around as well. That was this week's watching, a sophisticated watch. Yes. Um, 
without stating the obvious, I was uh, like, and I did almost write it down. I was like, Meryl Streep's good. I was like, wow, that's an understatement. Like, as if I need to write that down. That's like going, oh, McDonald's is well known. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> because I think I watched this quite in depth and I hadn't heard of the film, but obviously I yeah. knew Julia Childs. Um, not a lot. I didn't know a huge amount about her, but obviously knew who she was. Um, I'd got a real appreciation with this, with how good Meryl Streep is. Because it's one thing yeah. to act and create a character, no. but to copy a character. Yeah. Because yeah. there's no limitations, is it? When you're creating a character, you can express and adapt, but you've yeah. got to be on point. It becomes an extension of you then, yeah. doesn't it? But not with an impersonation. Mm. It must be so hard, like... Uh, to not just be like a caricature and I think she's I think we discussed on last week's like Julia Childs especially in America is one of the most impersonated because she's so distinctive with her voice and the whoo yeah. and all that sort of stuff <laughs> yeah it was like crazy mannerisms she, yeah but she like in, she was her it was like she was it was mad it was like yeah. so well done be easy to over egg it wouldn't it and yeah, yeah just get and a bit it, too crazy I did, and I'm sure if anyone else has, if you've watched the film, just go and just YouTube a few clips of Julia Childs and it would just did, blow yeah. you away. Yeah. I did to remind absolutely. me, and I was like, wow, same same person. Yeah. Oh, it's mm. so good. Um, yeah, so uh, just for those that haven't seen it, Julie and Julia just basically tells the true story of two women, one Julia Childs, the other uh, Julie... Car- I want to say... Because of P. Pa, P. Oh, oh God, Julie, someone. <laughs> anyway, and uh, she's a blogger in New York in the early two thousands, and uh, she decides because she's a sort of like down on her luck journalist to do Ch- Julia Child's book in a whole year. So it's like five hundred odd recipes, five hundred twenty four recipes in a year, and it follows that true story. And then she becomes a published author, author because of it. But then we also go flashbacks into Julia's life, specifically in France before she's famous. Yes, that's right. Julie, um, Julie Powell. Julie Powell, nice. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I think, uh, I mean, I'd never heard of Julie, but the fact that it's a true story, and I've always said this, like, um, f- films that are a true story, they just seem to mean more, like you feel it more, don't you? When exactly, you know it's real, knowing like, that oh it's happened. Yeah. yeah, I mean, obviously they're going to dramatise certain bits and whatever, but... It just, everything means a bit more when you know it really happened. And I think it's really, you know, you start going, God, did that, did, wow, is that real? Like, how did that? And all those sorts of things. And it's, um, yeah, it's amazing. If that film was exactly the same, but not true, it wouldn't be as yeah. good. Is that yeah, sense? definitely. Or, or you'd say, oh, that was a bit twee. Like, oh, this yeah. romantic idea of like her recreating the book in a year. Like, that never happened. And um, yeah, reading at the end, Julie, real life Julie, was a consultant on the film and she helped mm. um, Amy, Amy, I keep forgetting all these bloody names. Amy, Amy Adams. Adams. Yeah. Mm. She helped her with her mannerisms and for cooking in the kitchen and all those sorts of things. And mm. uh, yeah, it was really cool. And, and just overall, I really enjoyed it. Like I got into it and it was feel good and it felt like a really nice, you know, I'm, I'm not surprised it got nominated for Oscars and, and those sorts of things, but yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, well, I both guess. both good actresses. Well, well, um, Amy Adams has got an Oscar and she as well. So yeah, solid uh, solid lineup. Yeah, it really was. Um, there was food straight off the bat with Julia Childs eating that fish in the restaurant, and I thought the they nailed that. Yeah. 
Yeah, because it was like a classic French dish. But her yeah. like reaction to it, there's a bit of all those that just love food with a passion can relate to her straight away with just how, mm. you know, when she's like almost eccentrically, just no words, she's just like yeah. reacting as if she's won the lottery you know, and she's just chowing down on a bit of fish. And I love that scene because it just sets the tone for just how much passion about food there is. Yeah, and it, it, that was like the nicest thing for me. And obviously, you know, how much I love food and how much it means to me. So just just to see how they created the environment of this 1940s post Second World War France, and yeah. it just just the service. Obviously, I've never been there, but for me, it felt really authentic, like you were actually there or as good as could be. So the way the yeah. waiters were dressed, the way they served you, like classic proper Garadon service, which you don't see a lot anymore, especially skilled Garadon service. Yeah, so Garadon, so is that, that's an official type of, oh, like, what is, can you So that's like, like service at the table, generally on a trolley or a table. So oh, on the trolley, With yeah, the salmon, yeah. yeah, so the chef will cook the sole it's like brown butter parsley lemon that sort of thing come out and then when the waiter comes and separates it at the table serves it that's garadon or if they carve at the table or crepe suzette that's all garadon yeah, on crepe a gar- suzette, like that yeah, like that baby exactly yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a, a garadon trolley yeah. So we, we learned at college. Hey, I, I, I know it seems a bit old-fashioned, but there's a lot of skill and pressure involved in that. Oh, there isn't is, there? yeah. Like, I, mean, I remember, yeah, doing it at college. It was uh, it was tough, especially you've got a table of 10 and they're all watching you and you've got to you know, bone, you know, fillet some fish that's cooked and all the other dishes are coming. You're like, shit, I've got to do this quick, but I've got to do it nicely. Or yeah. carve some meat, crepe suzette, or even just a Christmas pudding. Like light the light the brandy in the ladle and yeah. pour it over the top. Walk around the table and stuff. That was a lot of pressure, especially yeah. I never wanted to be a waiter. But there's yeah. so much skill in that, and Definitely. I've got a lot, lot of time for like places that do it properly. And it was it was just lovely to see, and her reaction to it was was amazing. Yeah, I guess in a way, like it's evolved quite a bit. I mean, I went. We were just talking off off air there about a theme because me and Hayley went to a theme to Actar's place in Birmingham over the weekend and you forget how much more not just the chefs but also the waiters do now at tables yeah. and it's quite yes. diverse like yeah they don't necessarily do that old fashioned stuff where they you know take the bone perfectly out of the middle of the fish or do the crepes at lighting or whatever but they talk through the dishes from head to toe they pour they pour sauces on accurately or light something like there's a, there's lots of little tricks and things that go into it these days people are getting it feels like people have got more creative in recent years with that stuff yeah exactly and there's a long way you can take it as well and um you know i'm all for restaurants that where the chefs serve all the food and i think it you know it's nice it works but for me I mean, you know, I take through that. So the guys do now and again, but that's more about of us being a team together. I how, do you de- how do you decide how to do that? How do you decide? Oh, I'll take this one. If we're in the shit, I'll just jump, run out and take it. <laughs> is that what it is? It's just yeah, like, sometimes. It's a bit of a backlog. Yeah. I'll take this one. Yeah, because yeah, you know how like, we've always run on a small amount of staff at front. So say, I don't say if Jack, the manager, say if he's serving some wine and then someone else is serving a table and the food's sat there in an open kitchen... I'm not just going to be sat there banging the table waiting for them. I'm, I'm there. I can just take it. Yeah. You know, the guys yeah. will sometimes as well. And especially if I know the people. So it's never like a controlled thing. I want the, um, you know, I want the guys out front to do that. But uh-huh. I think personally for us, if we were to do it, it would devalue our restaurant team because all they're left with doing is clearing plates. Yeah. Essentially. Yeah, and then yeah, serving yeah. the wine, etc. But some restaurants you'll have sommeliers. So you yeah. can have highly skilled restaurant staff sometimes that the chefs are serving all the food and talking about it, which yeah. is nice. But 
again, there's a lot of skill there. And I've been to restaurants where chefs serve food. And I would say the majority of chefs aren't very good at it. Oh, interesting. Why? Yeah, because generally. they just think they're naturally, because I'm the head chef and I'll just naturally no, no, be charming? Like, or... the, head, the head chefs generally are, but it's when sometimes when commies, chef to parties come uh, out, right. they're not very personable. They don't want to be out there. They're nervous. They've been out of yeah, the kitchen. Yeah, that's true. It's it, not why they're, they they're not it. comfortable. So, you know, I've been been a few places where it's, where it's that level of chef coming out and sometimes it, it just shouldn't, there just shouldn't be. Yeah, um, that's a good point. And I'm fine with it because I'm in the industry and yeah. I get it, but other guests might not perceive that well. You know, I'm yeah. fine going out, I can, you know, I can chat to people, I can be personable and, you know, have a laugh podcast, with guests. Mate. Fucking hell. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Talk shite for a living. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to my world. Yeah. Made a living off of it. Yeah, um, well, like, yeah. I'm just learning that actually me being a gobshite is, you know, worth something. <laughs> yeah. People enjoy it, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, you're right though. Go back to it. Like that whole scene, um, they stay true to it so well. And, and not just the shots in the in the restaurant, but in, in the markets in and around Paris. Oh, just yeah. looked like postcards, didn't it? Like they nailed it. it. And well, you, actually, you never really appreciate with films. Like you can watch films like Marvel films with CGI. <laughs> and of course it's unbelievable. Like the feat of technology to be able to recreate these things from nothing. It's just all computer. But actually when you think about the level of detail and effort it takes to dress a whole street perfectly yeah. like 1940s France. So everything from the paint, mm. the fonts, the clothes, the but they had several big shots of, and cars coming past. Yeah, like it's it really it was faultless. It looked literally it's real. Like you felt like you were You've there. got to yeah. get it, get it right. It must, it's harder in some ways than like your CGI, etc. Imagine because yeah. you can't just create anything. You've got to like physically, physically yeah. make it. But it did look stunning, and you you felt like it wasn't a a movie set. It like it oh, was yeah. the you know post war France. Yeah, it was so cool. And then to contrast that, as we sort of like see the the murmurings of where Julia Childs is at and what she's embarking upon, you cut to Julie in early 2000s New York who's working for like an insurance claim place. Yeah. And you realise that it's just post 9-11. Yeah, and, yeah. And that is, and you're like, it really hits you because you, she walks out of the subway and there was a few uh, American flags tied to the poles. Mm. And I was looking at it like, that's not normal. And then I suddenly hit me like, oh God, this is going to be just after nine. And they had that zoom out shot and it was yeah. ground zero being reconstructed. Mm-hmm. And I was really confused by that because the film, Julie's part of the film is set in 2003, two to I think two two thousand two. Yeah, but the film was filmed in two thousand and nine. Yeah, how did they get the shot of her walking past Ground Zero? I don't how? know. How? Maybe that? they added that in. I don't know. I've got, I didn't I'm even have to go, consider that to be honest. And I didn't till after the movie when I was looking back at my and I was like, wait a minute, this was filmed in two thousand nine. So I mean, the one tower was not far off being finished by then. So what? How was it? Okay, because so I went how? in 2007 and there was nothing there really. Oh, is it still nothing there? Oh, ma- oh. I think so. Maybe it was... Um, oh, I'm going to have to do some And then I went that, back I was... in like 2012, 13 and the tower was pretty much done, the new, new tower, I think. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, it's hard to remember. I've been three times and it's a different stage each time, so I can't oh, remember. Okay. Because yeah. I was thinking they wouldn't, if it was 2009 Ground Zero, they wouldn't leave that in, would they? 
I don't know. I doubt it. No, I doubt it. Continuity. Yeah, Yeah, it'd be really odd. But yeah, that baffled me, that shot. But yeah, so real contrast in life. And what's weird is obviously one is modern and has got the internet and has got all these things, but you're looking at it going, I'd rather be in 1940s France right now than in the hustle and bustle of New York and dealing with all those people on the phone. It's just, it looks exhausting and hot. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, just the contrast of the, the two lives. And obviously she was, you know in a decent place in her life, Julia Charles, and it was like something to do in a way that she found yeah. an actual passion with. So, yeah, and then you, they had a direct contrast with Julie, who was living above that pizzeria and, you know, next to a freight train line. In, yeah, and in Stressful. And quite yeah. a challenge she set herself, like 500 dishes every day. Especially with yeah, that that's fucking a kitchen. Oh, no, yeah. It's tiny. It's like cooking at salt. <laughs> 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 yeah, no, it was, and I was. I suppose if they had the real Julie consulting, it would have been pretty damn similar to what her actual house was like. But yeah, exactly, I think, yeah. bloody hell, that does look. It doesn't look like a fun experience all the time. But yeah. what over what? Why it doesn't matter is passion, and that is all you need at the end of the day. One of the quotes I wrote down is. She said, even after, or something along these lines, even after a shit day, you can still come home and just cook a chocolate pie. She was like, all you need is eggs and and butter and yeah. sugar and chocolate and you're away. And I think there's something a lot to be said about that, about whether you've had a bad day at work or kids, you've had a shit day at school, you've got a bad result, you can still come home, break bread together and chat and just have nice food. Like, isn't that it's just such a comforting it, yeah. feeling? Yeah, lose yourself in it. That's exactly it. That is such a great thing. Yeah, so I don't think um, there's many things like that, is there? You, you know, that that can do that and are so important and have that real passion of bringing people together. It's like there's, I don't know, for me, it's food, music, sport. They, you know, those sort yeah. of things that can just really bring people together. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So basically, kebab in hand, three lions watching an England game. Oh, that mate, the, that's that it. The trifecta. That's it. With your three quarter <laughs> lengths on and your top yeah. off. <laughs> <laughs> a Leonsdale vest yeah shouting in Gerland and yeah we get the revelation when she's in her home uh, about oh I'm going to do this thing when her and her husband are sat there and she makes that bruschetta and how good oh, yeah. they make that look don't they the golden mm. brown on each side of the bread and then and he's there I mean he's almost grotesque the way he's eating it isn't he he's literally like like Jesus mate put it down that's a rank <laughs> that's like going to town on it um, and maybe that was a bit of a romanticised way in which the whole recipe in 524 recipes in a year came about but really cool idea like I love the idea of it and the fact she stuck to it have you ever read the book? Um, I've looked through it. I've never owned it. I think other yeah. people have had it. I've looked through it. It's a nice book. It's a nice book. Very similar to um, Elizabeth David, which I know more about because she's the British version of um, Julia Charles, really, yeah. you know, and her, her French book. I used to have that. I don't think I've got... My books are all over the place at the moment, so I don't really, don't really know what it is. But, um, yeah, that what, very similar they... sort of thing. If they're, if they're similar, like, why were they so groundbreaking, do you think? I think because they um, they delivered, from my opinion, they delivered the food like properly. It wasn't like a here's a simple how you can do it at home. So it was aimed at generally at the housewife because that was who was doing all the cooking back then. But it was authentic and it was real. Like Elizabeth David, she didn't just do France; she did all all of the Mediterranean really. And it's mm. it's how it should be done, and it's that pure 
passion for the ingredients, the proper dishes, where they've come from and their heritage. It's not just a, a throwaway book of his, you know, a dish you can cook in 15 minutes that lasts, you know, six months on the shelves and then there's another one, there's another one. It's just regurgitated dishes. Those, the, that's why those books, I can't remember what Elizabeth Davis called now, but very similar. They're both, I think it was about 10 years apart, roughly, but they are both stand the test of time. Yeah. You know, look, the 60s, um, Julia Charles' book was out and it's still going now. I had a look on eBay for them and they're still going for a good price. It's really? had like 40, 40 odd different prints. Wow. Since that the is 60s. That is just amazing that you could have. And they're true, true cookery books there. Yeah, and I suppose we um, get a sense right at the end of this, like when she, you know, the last scene when she unwraps it, she gets it in the post, mm-hmm. yeah, and 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 stares at it. And, and actually, I was thinking less so for me, but maybe more, say, an American who will know that because co- I suppose the front cover of that book will be as recognisable as like the Pulp Fiction poster or something. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Where it's like, oh, that's obviously. So to see like her open it for the first time, go, oh, here it is. Like how do, and yeah, she's going to sell hundreds of thousands of copies of this oh, thing. It's yeah. just unbelievable, isn't it? But that, that feeling really, I could really connect with because obviously just yeah. having my own book, that first yeah. day I got it, honestly, yeah, and I wasn't was that, thinking like, about... I wasn't thinking I was going to sell thousands. I wasn't. I wasn't thinking about anything like other people seeing it. It was just. It was there. It was real. I'd been looking on a PDF for ages and adapting it, going backwards and forwards. And I was almost, for want of a better phrase, like sick of it in the PDF. But then you see it, yeah, yeah. and it's real, and it's like, wow, I've actually, fucking got a book. It's just <laughs> weird. And I, the first, I mean, I was in a crazy place anyway because I'd. The, the day I actually received the first copies before we released it was the day after we got the star. Oh, God, was it? God, yeah. Two, two buses at once, right? Yeah, it was, it was it was crazy because I had a minging hangover and I drove, <laughs> drove over to the restaurant with Ethan because Andy, the publisher, had sent two copies over and I just like, I was just in this really weird place in my head anyway, obviously. Yeah, yeah. And then I picked that up and I was just like... <sighs> Yeah, yeah, it was it was just an amazing feeling. Just on my own, just opening that, it was lovely. Oh, that's amazing. Book still available now at the website. Still available, or? yeah, on the website. Or when we reopen the restaurant, sell it thirty nine ninety five, forty pound for cash, <laughs> <laughs> and double the price if you want it signed. Anyway, moving on. Yes, yeah. uh, um, one thing that I never knew about her, and until watching this film, and they did it brilliantly in the portrait gallery at the very beginning, is. They is the how they portrayed the fact that she was six foot two. I know, yeah. And how how much of a complication that must have been for the whole production? Because Meryl Streep, I checked, is five foot six. Yeah, I, I, I didn't. Like, I knew she wouldn't be six two, but I didn't know she'd be that. That's quite a difference. I know. It's six, six foot two is ta- that is really tall as well. It's like yeah. ha- and she's half a foot taller. So they must have had to sit down and go right. In this scene, she needs platform shoes. In this scene, she's walking down the street. We need a ramp. Yeah. We need to make sure we don't film her from the waist down. Yeah. Does it look like her legs are out of proportion? <laughs> that is an absolute. There's just a ridiculous and just such an, another odd thing to add to her eccentric persona. The fact that she this larger than life character who was six foot two, which is so much taller than the average. 
woman. It's, it was yeah, just it really a is. bizarre thing about her that just added a lot of little com- comedic moments to this film. Actually, one thing we haven't talked about is her and Stanley Tucci, her husband, how nice their relationship is. Yeah, it's, it's lovely, isn't it? It's always really funny when she, because he's so much shorter, when they like go to hug and stuff and she's almost just like kissing him on the forehead. <laughs> like yeah, a son. <laughs> and, and when she meets her sister off the train. Yeah. That, and then we're going, she goes, yeah, and woo, woo. Yeah. <laughs> and that was, that's Jane Lynch, who is, but she is. I was trying to think she's of an anchor man, and yes, yeah, that's it, yeah, loads of funny things, and she is brilliant as a sister. And again, in real life, Jane Lynch is six foot two. Oh right, is she? Ah, yeah. So, so they had to make her stand up that. next to her. No way. Yeah. No exactly. way. Mm. Um. Yeah, so we get the montage as well of Julia Charles like then enrolling into this elite cookery school and and starting to learn properly from the ground up all of these French classics that she's so besotted by and excited to learn. And obviously, it's a man's world and the look yeah. of them compared to the, and again the height dynamics hilarious because she's the tallest one there. Yeah, um, and it's a man's world, but it was like the the leader, the woman, she doesn't like her yeah. either, like probably because she's American yeah. and tall. And then yeah, she ends exactly. up obviously being really good and practicing loads and yeah she didn't like it at all did she that mound of onions (laughs) and Stanley Tucci comes in he's like my eye can't even walk in the room (laughs) but you uh, I suppose you'd have had to have learned to chop pretty well to get away with it what was her skills like uh, not bad not bad to be fair but yeah yeah, she would have had to learn that to look look proper but you could see her going fully like head on into that can't you like like, as as an actress just getting through barrels of onions she probably chopped all them that were on the bench (laughs) yeah yeah, probably you're probably right actually just to get into it but you uh, yeah, do you I know much was... about Le Cordon Bleu no I really don't actually so I mean it's, it's a really good school um, very expensive it costs I was looking it up last night because I, I had a rough idea of what it costs but I, did, mm. I was surprised so if you wanted to do the grand basically the best course for one year it's like £41,000 12 Jesus months tutorage Christ really wow that yeah. is mental it's a lot of money That's so it's only really the elite right? that can send their children there so it's ingredients yeah. tutorage knives on whites maybe I assume as well um, yeah. but yeah the, the difference though is for me you will learn how to cook there but you will never learn how to be a chef there right at all because w- just what, what does that does that mean like it can teach you it can teach you specific things but it's not the real it's not like real world experience is that like the different what do you mean by that what well is- you know if you were if you went there and say I don't know exactly how it works I have been and done some demos there for journalists great place in London really good facilities and great great tutors um, but it's more about the exposure and the environment so if you want yeah. you will go in and maybe you're doing beef bourguignon and tartatan that day you'll do your beef bourguignon a few portions and you'll do your tartatan and you'll learn how to do it properly but that can't prepare you for industry if you want to learn how yeah, to be a chef it. get a, get a job in a really good restaurant that is right, for me literally the only way um, yeah. but if you've got the money and want to learn how to cook then absolutely go there but you will oh, learn how to cook Mm. it's sort of the whole flight simulator thing like it can teach you how to fly a plane but it's still not being up in the air is it it's exactly not the there's no no replacement for real yeah. for like real experience and we've had you know, i've met quite a few people from them um, when we were working at sats we had a girl come from uh, le cordon bleu and her parents had sent her over from 
somewhere abroad, I can't remember exactly where, um, wow. you know, paid for everything. She'd come up and she wanted a job, but it was actually, we would have started her at Commie and she spent a year there, a load of money. And I know it was almost this assumption that she could come in at a higher That's level. Interesting. Yeah, did she come in a bit arrogant, thinking, well, I've been here? No, she was great, really respectful. I think she was just more shocked. They hadn't really prepared her for it, but she'd come to yeah, Mission Star Restaurant and come yeah. up, and I think she she was shocked that she was like, oh, but yeah, this is a lot harder than being at the school. You know, she had certain skills, but on a base level. Mm. Mm. Yeah. I suppose even like doctors and lawyers, you know, you study for seven years in practice Mm. or or whatever you do, and then you finally get your first job and, you know, you're dealing with coughs and colds and if you're a lawyer, it's just the basic casework and filing. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) You know, for for ages until you start, I suppose it's just part of it, isn't it? Exactly. You're right. You're right. When it, come, when it comes to that stuff, though, I wanted to ask, because we get lots of mentions of the classics, because obviously it's based, all of Julia Child's book is based on all these amazing French um, uh, recipes. Is, are they still regarded as, like, um, like, are they like the founding fathers of food? Is that how people sort of see it? And, and are the classics known as, like, now are people like, oh, yeah, they're a bit out of date? Or is it more respected as, like, well, at the time they are like so it's like like almost like the Beatles it's like if the, if the Beatles brought out their music now people are like well that's nothing special but back then it was like groundbreaking and it, and it paved the way is that is that sort of like how these classics sit yeah yeah so because you you have to respect them and you have to learn them um, many things can come from that say like take a beef bourguignon or a cock of van or something you have to understand and keep it's um, protect that as what it is and what it should be because that formed the foundation for so many other things like any kind of braised beef is loosely related to a bourguignon or something like that or, yeah. or even further things down the line if you go through the lineage of most dishes that we have today they'll take you back Traces to these back. places so yeah. I think you know like you have to understand and learn these before you can move up to the next level you can't just dismiss them as like that's old school that's old hat because you have to understand them like they work like the the basic principles of the bourguignon you know making sure that you've got great meat you're you know you're patting it nice and dry so it's going to caramelize you're braising it properly they are proper skills that you nail those skills you can adapt it to many other things you can only really sort of dismiss things when you have a true understanding you can only be like, okay, that doesn't work for me. That doesn't work for modern cuisine. If you, if you just come in and be like, ah, oh, we don't need that. That's old hat. That's boring. You haven't learnt it. Then you just, that's yeah. just arrogance or arrogance of youth sometimes. You've got to understand it. That's really reassuring to hear, actually. So like, if, if, a, if a young up-and-coming chef was like, oh, Paul, you know, recommend three books I'm dying to learn, you would consider like throwing in a classics in there so that they get like that's, that's true... That's all I'd do. I'd, um, you know, I've had that question before. I've tried to advise guys if they're like, oh, I want to get some cookbooks. If you're just starting out, don't go and buy, unless you've got loads of money, you don't just go and buy, you know, Heston's Fat Duck book or Sat's book or Farron Adria's book. Brilliant books. Don't get me wrong. I've got all of them. They're, they're fantastic. But yeah. it's like, I know, you want to learn guitar and then all of a sudden you're trying to learn some really complicated riff straight off the <laughs> yeah. bat. You, do, yeah, you just don't do it. Heaven, yeah. You don't have, you can't relate to it, you can't understand it. So get things like La Rue Gastronomique, um, some of the Scoffier's books. So I've, I've got a book from like the 18th century. It was actually printed in the 18th century and it's oh, yeah, calling, trying to understand it. It's like, 
understand that first before you try and get carried away. You know, like, because I got the Fat Duck book in 2008 when it came out, and I'd been cooking 10 years and I was sous chef and a one star. Um, but like still a lot of it was a, quite advanced for me then, just thinking, God, this is crazy. So if you buy that at a young level, it just goes over your head and you start trying to cook yeah. like that, you're gonna fuck up. So, you know, learn the, the basics, yeah. get these good books. It's what I got, you know, even the practical cookery, um, which is what you use when you're at college and there's so many different editions of it. Some of it now I'd look at and I wouldn't do or wouldn't necessarily agree. But like I just yeah. said earlier, you can't dismiss it. You can't not agree with it until you know it, until you understand it. And going back to Julia Charles, like this, that is one of those books to add to that collection, I guess. It's totally those, is. You know, totally it's is. Books killer. like that and Elizabeth David's book, like they stand the test of time. They, they do. Yeah. You know, not like, you know, with no disrespect to them because they've got the place in the market. But, you know, a dish you can, uh, a book of dishes you can cook in 15 minutes. It's got a six month shelf life. Then you do another load, another load. But these books so from 50 the 60s. Mi- 50 minute meals, for example, just plucking a title out of thin air. Uh, <laughs> no, I love Jamie. No disrespect to it <laughs> at all. But, uh, oh, mate, no, I've got about four of them here. Yeah, it, it is. <laughs> but it, it's like they, they move and they, they have to. It's, it's their, their turnover. It's a completely different thing. But like Julia Charles' book, it's like in its 40 year off edition of that, that publication from the 60s. Yeah. There's not many books that have that sort of length of time like maybe the bible but that's bullshit yeah <laughs> they are irreplaceable they exactly are they're like the founding fathers of it i love that i think it's so and and i was thinking even the further you get away from them being created almost the more celebrated they'll be and you're right we it's, it's up to everyone in the generations to preserve them and to recommend them we've and got I think, to really yeah, really the important we get, uh, they should get celebrated the older they get yeah anything. and i think the the older I get as a chef, the more I feel that we should protect that kind of stuff. I, I don't yeah. think I was ever dismissive of it. And I was bought and advised to get the right books when I was younger, which really helped me, you know, just a book on sources, like Michelle Rue on sources and stuff, learning them properly. And Mich- Michelle, uh, the Rue Brothers patisserie book, mm. things like that really set you up for a good career. Yeah, good advice there. Um, one of the other, we get a few classics here. We get the beef bourguignon, we see a tartatan at some point. Uh, obviously, we get the fish at the very beginning. We get the lobster part of the film, hmm. which was one of the sort of more funny uh, sort of skits where they bring them back from the the shop in the back of the car and they're like out of the back, like, hello! Like, like, <laughs> little, doing a little dance. But what is the definitively the most humane did she do it right is that like oh, what she is, didn't know how, she didn't she just threw no? straight in the what water is, but that like yeah. I'll, t- I'll tell you how i have done it when i started out because that's you don't really think about that you just do as you're told and i've never been yeah. bothered about killing them and i could just Fine. kill them all day it's not it just doesn't it's food for me it doesn't matter kill them in my sleep yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um <laughs> So what we used to do, so if you imagine a lobster, the head is a really big part and it contains the uh-huh. body as well. So it's not just head, but you call it the head. And then the tail sort of joins to that, claws on the side, right. which are banded up. So you, you, you carry it from the head so it can't get you. Basically where the head and the tail join, you just twist, rip. Almost like you're giving it a Chinese bone. Whoa. Yeah. Oh my God. Wow. Yeah. That seems quite quick, but so the, is that not... I don't do this now, just before anyone kicks off at me. Yeah, <laughs> the, fine. But that's that's, how it that's what we used to do. And it, you just get through yeah. a box of them, just like tear, tear, you know, tie one to a, a spoon or put a skewer down it to keep it straight while you blanch it. Um, 
those sort of things because it's still going when you cook it it contracts into like a coil Um, so then it moved on to if you look at the top of a lobster's head there's a line that leads directly down the middle to its eyes like knife through the hair heel straight down to kill it and I remember at the time being like oh god I'm already busy We've got fucking, you add in another process onto something. <laughs> so yeah, you'd do it straight yeah. through. Then you find out that that, yes, it does kill them, but there is some stress there. There would be. So yeah. the, the, yeah, <laughs> I think I would be knife going through me. Yeah. I think I don't, I think I'd be a bit stressed if someone took a knife to the back of my head. <laughs> Especially if it didn't quite go through right the first time. <laughs> yeah. Oh, for fuck's sake, mate. Just do it right. Just do me already. Do it. <laughs> so now so the most your, humane is, way uh, unless there are like there's lobster machines out there where it like you put them in um, and it stuns them instantly um, right. and then you can carry on working with them you drop them in I don't know whether I can't I don't know much about them it's like I think it's some sort of electrolysis type thing but generally now I put them in the freezer for an hour it sends them into this meditative state you pick them up and they're oh, all really? floppy but it's still alive so freeze them which I think she said in that, but she just didn't do. I yeah. think she did. Uh, okay. Um, yeah, yeah, rings bell. And then you do the knife through the head, and then you take them apart. So, actually, okay. um, yeah. And then with with crab, very similar thing. Uh, freeze them again for an hour, get them in this meditative state. But with crab, because of the way they are, putting a knife through the head is it's not easy. It's a lot harder shell uh, um, yeah, to get the nerve sense. So if you flip them over, lift its tail up because it's got this random tail that comes in. There's a hole. It almost looks like it's its belly button. Right. Just stick something like sturdy and sharp, like a really sturdy skewer straight through there. That's its nerve center. Bang, straight out. Oh, wow. And then boil it. Yeah. Wow, okay. Yeah. Good to, good to know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she panicked. And the bit I didn't understand in the film is when the lid came flying off. Yeah, I think that was for cinema, that. Just for cars. The only thing that no... would, yeah, just see it punching through or like. Yeah, because it wasn't like it slid off. It went, flew up in the air. I was like, what the, f- that's literally impossible. The, the only thing that would cause that is like basic physics. If it's rammed on tight and the water pressure pushes it out. No lobsters yeah. like punching through going, let me out. <laughs> I had this image of, you know, T2 where he's lowered into that like lava or something and the hand's still there. Yeah, it's nothing yeah. like that. Yeah. I've never seen nothing, that happen. No. No. <laughs> oh man and I wonder, do, do, I wonder if they used real lobsters for that shooting well they, I mean they looked it I don't imagine they would because they get yeah. complaints for because she just she couldn't be bothered with the knife thing she just threw them straight in the pot she just whacked them in yeah yeah I imagine they would have killed them before so it's humane must have yeah. they were definitely real whether they were dead or not oh they were they were snapping away yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I know this is a really weird question, but I did think of it. Like, when I was thinking about a chef's career and about mm. how many places they worked, how many animals would you have killed in your, li- in your life? Well, for me, I've, I've only ever killed lobsters, crabs, langoustines, yeah. that sort of thing. So, um, thousands and thousands, really. But, thousands. Um, yeah, yeah I've never mental. killed animal animals. I've never, I've never gone out shooting. Uh, but yeah. I don't think I'd have any issue with that. Um, but yeah, oh, yeah, just loads and loads and loads. Yeah. And the way with crabs weird, was just get them in. You pick them up from its backside where that tail is so it can't get you. It was always just straight in boiling water. That was just the, the way. It? Yeah. But yeah, we don't it's do that crazy, anymore. 
No, yeah, sure. But yeah. I think it's like amazing how quickly you become accustomed to it, or just because it's your job. I know it sounds silly, but it's like yeah, you'd have killed. I've not killed one, and you've killed thousands. Yeah, you know what I mean, isn't that? It's just so weird. Yeah, especially you know, you get hundred <laughs> langoustines come in, a few lobster, and it's just it's fine. They're just snapping away. You just kill them. People still get giddy about it, and all like, oh wow, something alive's come in because you have to yeah. get them in alive. If it comes in dead, it's the enzymes have already started to break it down. So you know you have, uh-huh. have to get them in live. Um, of course. But yeah, I mean, it's a classic thing in all kitchens of chefs scaring waitresses or waiters and stuff. Always the way. Yeah. Snapping <laughs> behind the head. Or just putting them on the, the still area where they make tea and coffee just to walk up next to them. It's yeah. Yeah. <laughs> classic childish humor. That is good. That is great. Though. That will never get old. No. That will never get old. Yeah. You'd never not jump if there was a snapping lobster by the side of your coffee. Or a big three kilo crab sort of around the back of the head and then just call their name as they turn around and yeah classic oh my god no that is stressful I'm stressed just thinking about living in that environment yeah um, no animals uh, are yeah we <laughs> Uh, what else do we see in the film um, oh do you know what I thought was really weird do you know when they have the photo shoot yeah that was weird. Yeah, it was a bit weird. Posing in the butt. Like, I was, in the bath. It took me a second. I was like, what are we watching? What is this? <laughs> like, why are they... Is this... This is... So, and they must be based on real photographs that they found of them. Yeah, they must They posed be. for. I, yeah. I doubt they'd just have done it otherwise. Yeah. But I was, that was so like... And I was like, wow, is this what the equivalent of like a venture photo shoot for, for families now was like <laughs> 60 years ago? Do you know yeah. what I mean? When it's like... Like, we've all got them up at our parents' house or whatever where you're like 14 years old and you're moving leaning against a white wall <laughs> with shades on yeah. I was like yeah and yeah um, one of the big bits obviously was about the first big article in the New York Times for Julie when she starts blogging loads and she gets picked up and then they write about her and all of her mates are calling her like yeah 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 this, this is awesome her mum is finally proud supposedly of her for the first time ever Yeah, um, and it's a big moment I suppose even though it was like early days of the internet then still being in the paper would have been a big thing and I guess still it is now because that paper is yeah physical but online mm. what can you remember I can't remember we talked about this before but can you remember your first big review or big like you know your face was in the paper and then your mates texting you like oh my god mate that's amazing yeah well uh, well we have talked about this on other podcasts but the first one fortunately nobody really spotted it was the one in the daily mail um, oh yeah my face wasn't saying, in it obviously yeah. my name was and I got got slated yeah. but that just yeah. sort of <laughs> just went away which was brilliant <laughs> I think I've sent yeah. you it haven't I you've read it yeah <laughs> I remember it. that one that was classic um <laughs> but yeah well it would it would have been the 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 Jay Rayner review the first one not at Salt obviously at yeah. Tottenham Mill that was just Tottenham Mill yeah yeah it, yeah, it was a mega feeling so I can empathise with how how she felt with that um, yeah, and it still feels good but the first time like that that bit of recognition from somebody you respect and that's what it meant more to me it wasn't about just being in the paper and loads of people seeing it or being able to you know show it on you know um, social media and stuff which is all great it was it was about Jay Rain had really getting what I was doing and it kind of yeah, yeah it was um, felt vindicated really as well that you know I'm putting yeah, this work like in for, for, for good yeah, reason and I'm valid- doing something right yeah. it validates you doesn't it yeah. yeah that's probably a better word yeah definitely mm. that's awesome um, one of the other things I wanted to ask which I didn't really quite understand and I don't know I've just written one word which might not have helped me but aspic oh yeah what the hell is that? But there's a reason you don't hear about it now because nobody really does it. 
Um, right. Okay. So we, we learned quite a big deal of it in this film. But yeah. I didn't really understand what we what it was. It wasn't really quite clear. Well, I've ne- I've never made proper aspic because it's just not something that you do anymore. And I don't personally, yeah. again, from learning it and stuff, I don't personally have a great opinion of it. Really, um, we used to use this like powdered aspic at college. So it's basically like um, a jelly from generally from veal feet there's a hell of a lot of gelatin in veal feet so from, you extract veal feet yeah you extract a huge oh. amount because it's doing so much work so much yeah. gelatin in there you extract that because like if you make a veal stock you'll you'll finish it with some veal feet and that gives it a real gelatinous oh. like more viscosity etc but oh, I didn't so you, it was generally used aspic was for um for glazing buffet items and things like that so it's like a quite a firm clear meat jelly and they use it in a lot of show competitions where, you know, people will dress a plate or a buffet, um, maybe a, a piece of meat, and it'll be covered in aspic, so it's all shining and got this jelly over it. Uh, and I have heard some chefs actually use varnish because no one's eating it anyway. <laughs> really? Genuinely, yeah. That's classic. Um, I've, I've seen a few of those viral videos online where they say about how they make stuff look in adverts. Mm. So, like, you know, like mozzarella stringy mozzarella on a pizza slice that's being raised up when you see it on the TV about how they use super glue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To, yeah, to all sorts that proper, like that. Yeah, all sorts of shit like, to try and make it look better. Yeah. Dip, dip a tampon in boiling water, put it behind the plate so the steam comes up. Oh. Because it's absorbing the water and it keeps steaming so the food looks hot. That's yeah, brilliant. Genius. Tampon yeah, techers. I'll do, that. I'll do that next time people come around. <laughs> What's that? Oh, it's just a steaming hot tampon. Just <laughs> it's all right, it's no. It's no. But yeah, going back to Aspic, I hated it at college because it was, it was just this jelly that covered stuff and it was just, I'm all about purity, so I just didn't, didn't like it. And there was another thing that was, you don't see anymore, it's called chauffeur sauce. So it's bechamel right. mixed with Aspic. So you get this white jelly glazed used to generally used for like glazing ham sometimes glazing a salmon so imagine making a bechamel right yeah setting yeah. it with a jelly which is the aspic so you get this white cream glazed looking thing all over a salmon polpo right. salmon and then cucumber scales and all that and it's oh, just not for me say. not for me no. you know but i mean i've i've gone through i've learned it i've understood it so i feel like you know i can leave that at the door really but you don't you don't yeah, see a lot enough. of it anymore Always looked yeah. impressive these big French grand buffets, but no, nah, not for me. Well, and that was one of the one of the only ones she fucked and failed over. She yeah. couldn't get it right. It was no loss dropping that. She just floor. left it. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, awesome. Any other big takeaways from the film? Or any yeah, only sort of small. I, I liked how they touched upon like the poached eggs um, and how she sort of struggled with it. I mean, strangely, she'd never eaten yeah. one. But yeah. it's something that poached egg, scrambled egg, fried egg, as you know, I've said to you many times before, that they're underappreciated. There's skill in it because um, they're so common. Okay. Everyone thinks it's so simple. Okay, I'm gonna pick, I'm gonna give you my. This is how I do them, and you can pick me apart or tell me what I'm doing wrong. Okay. This is I've got in my head how I do all three of those. Okay. So, what, what do you want first? What are you um, move for? Go fried. That's the best. Isn't it? Fried. Okay, fried. So, really hot pan Ooh. with oil in it. Oh, okay. Are you? All... <laughs> no. that... you know, there are. You know, there's more than one way to skin a cat. It's about the end result. Sure. There's yeah, a lot of okay. personal stuff that comes True. into this for me, but yeah, go, carry on. Okay, so so this is what I do. I get a really hot pan with oil in, so that the oil I can see the oil almost doing that weird like concertina thing. Yeah, oh well, yeah. You know, you know when it's really hot. Yeah. 
drop drop my egg in so it starts bubbling straight away. Then I get some salt and I just put it on the yolk. Mm-hmm. Just a little bit of salt. And then after like 30 seconds, I just whack the lid on. Yeah. And then I take the whole thing off and just leave it on the side. Okay. And then when I take the lid off, it means that the yolk's still runny, but it's not got that horrible, like still uncooked layer. Yeah, it's not too layer, it's, yeah. Yeah, that horrible thing. Because the steam, obviously, the lid just does mm. that enough. Okay. And then by the time I take the lid off, I can just take it out. What do you reckon? Does that sound like that would work? It's, it sounds all right. Like, a lot of this okay. comes into, for me, personal preference. So I only Fine. use, guess what, butter. No oil. Yeah, okay, yeah, of course. Yeah. And... Like, so you get a non-stick pan and then the, the butter yeah. is literally just melting. You drop the egg in, it doesn't Ooh. even start going white. Because for me, when, just because I don't like, there's different textures of egg white. Now, we all want the yolk runny, right? Some people yeah, yeah. like are too concerned about that. For me, I want the, the white set, but not rubbery. So I'm almost poaching it slowly in, in a thin layer of butter. In butter. Yeah. Ooh, so I, I don't like I don't like the crispy brownness on eggs. That's just a personal thing. That's not like you yeah. shouldn't I'm not saying Fine. you shouldn't do that. That's just for me. I'm I don't don't get that at all. Um yeah. so yeah it's just slowly in butter and then just spooning the butter over the top. So you just just finishing oh, the top of off. And it just and then salt one of the few things I put pepper on a little bit, little twist of pepper. Yeah. Um nice. yeah. Yeah that that's okay. for me a, a fried egg. Okay, I'll try that next time, actually. Um, scrambled eggs, pretty confident with this. I think this is my best of the three. Mm-hmm. Um, so, obviously, pan, butter, no oil, obviously, here. No fucking milk. Get that out of here. Yeah. It's an argument me and Hayley have. Is she still do it? I think so. <laughs> I mean, I, I just make them. I'm just like, no, I'm making them. Yeah. Uh, but she'd still go up. Whisk up my eggs. Uh, just fork, it, fork in a bowl. Just get them going. Yeah. Butter melted completely but not like bubbling Mm -hmm. quite a lot of it probably you know and then pour it in and then just keep stirring it on like a medium to high heat Mm -hmm. and then just as it's still a bit silky not holding its shape take it off because the pan's obviously still hot and then it's just and then just at the point where it's about to hold its shape then just tip it onto my plate and then add my toast to it yeah no it sounds very similar to me and like i think what the 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 thing when you like really understand eggs is like for me you want you got to think of a scrambled egg the same as a poached and a fried so that creaminess that runniness is coming from the yolk so yolks yeah. set about eighty seven degrees ish white set That's high isn't it yeah, yeah white set about. 62 63 degrees depending on the eggs they're quite rough but oh, that's yeah. where they are so you cook it too fast um your white in your scrambled egg is going rubbery before you and then your yolk's too wet uh, so you get this inconsistency yep. and then it all overcooks because it's so hot so doing it slow stirring it i never never use a whisk i'll kick off if anybody uses no. a whisk because you break no, down the egg spoon. yeah wooden spoon or yeah. a spatula just stir it stir those folds in and it should just yeah, just but, hold uh, its own weight not go flat not be stiff I'm so glad you said that because there's one the one big difference between Hayley and I is she likes scrambled eggs to all be like she likes it like runny Mm -hmm. but likes them what's the word like consistently like uh, small and fluffy if that makes sense yeah whereas I prefer the folds yeah so you get some texture and yeah yeah you've got the soft white not hard white and yeah yeah, creamy yolk yeah 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 Yeah. Okay, and last one. Now, I'm shit at this. Haley is, like, master in the house when it comes to these poached eggs, and I mm-hmm. know her technique is um, not not a rolling boil, mm-hmm. 
but just like just boiling, just bubbling yeah. water, a whole pan of water, white wine vinegar, and then she gets a big spoon and then makes does this. Yeah. And then drops her egg slowly into the middle and it wraps around itself. And yeah. then you just literally keep an eye on it, keep bringing it out, little little touch, and then check it out. That's what she does. What yeah. Does it sound like? Yeah, that, that sounds right. There's, there's a lot of people who dismiss the, the swirling and dismiss the vinegar. Uh, for me, it's the, the absolute key is for poached eggs, especially as fresh as possible. You can get away with it a bit more with fried and with um, um, scrambled a bit, but poached, it just just comes apart. So I um, I don't tend to use vinegar. If the eggs are a little bit older, I will put like a tiniest, tiniest dash that you wouldn't even know is in there in the pan. Um, always okay. crack it into a little dish or a, a cup little. and then put it in. I, I, I tend to do the small thing. I'd, it just sort of help bring it together a little bit at the start. I don't know if it's yeah. doing much, but that's more out of habit. More out yeah, of habit same, for me. Yeah. Hest, Heston's got a wicked way of doing it. And you, you, it's, it's oh. like, yeah, it's the, the most incredible poached egg. So what you do, you get a ridiculously fresh egg, right? And then you get a perforated spoon. You crack it onto that, right? So you, you think it's all going to go through. It doesn't. So the, this excess white that you don't want goes through. So what you're left with is a lovely thick white and the yolk. Wow. And then the water's 80 degrees, drops it into there. I think he puts a plate at the bottom or something to stop it sticking. And I can't remember how long it takes. It's a certain amount of minutes. And then scoop it out. There's no vinegar, no swirling, like 80 degrees. Wow. It is like incredible. Like, but just doing it on that slotted spoon like that makes a massive difference. Getting rid of all the all the bits that come up to the top and go all a bit like um, a bit grainy. Yeah. That, that's what you're getting rid of. Mm. Brilliant. That is a great tip. Yeah. I'm going to try all of these out. The yeah. All eggs in all manner of ways. Report back. And I'll report back next Thursday. Yeah. There's a lot of skill awesome. and science. Yeah. Anything else on the film, mate? No, I don't think so. Yeah. Other than, yeah, I just thought, I, I just loved the whole feel of it and the, the France really and yeah. that part of the food and then Meryl Streep's acting. I think with without Meryl Streep and without the beautiful food parts, it wouldn't have been any good for me. That really no, made it. it yeah. Tame. Yeah, no, you're right. It was the, and the feel, it was just lovely, wasn't it? It was just mm. a great watch. Yeah. Um, seven on IMDb. I think that's a bit harsh. I think you could go a bit higher than that. I mean, it's an Oscar nominated film like this. Is that actually? Oscar? And, and okay. Meryl Streep was nominated, but she won the Golden Globe for her performance in that. Ah, uh, she did. I was looking that up actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. she did. Amazing. Mm. Um, cool. What do you want to do next week, mate? What's your pick? Um, so I was thinking about this earlier and I was going back over it. I think we should watch one of um, I don't know which one I'll have to have a look which one but one of uh, David Chang's Ugly Delicious things on Netflix oh yeah yeah, okay. yeah he's called yeah. David Chang and uh, yeah he's good good for television uh, but yeah Ugly Delicious okay. I'll, um, I'll have a look and uh, see what best episode would be for us but perfect yeah, yeah send me the link yeah will do will cool. do okay nice one Love it. Brilliant, mate. Really enjoyed that. Uh, before we, want, we go, I want to say a massive shout out to Akhtar, Islam and Neil of Ophim. Uh, Hayley and I went over the weekend and it was absolutely amazing. Akhtar was the last guest we had on Series right, 3, yeah. Episode 4, before all the lockdown stuff happened. And uh, yeah, he really looked after us. We had an incredible meal. We've got some of his takeout samples home, which we're going to try as well. Oh, I know you had it, Paul, and you were raving about them, weren't you? Yeah, I'm getting one next um, week as well. Or this week, yeah. Oh, are you? Brilliant. Yeah. yeah, I recommend people to do it and go to a theme. It's just one of the most beautiful. It's one of the most be- beautiful restaurants I've been to in the UK. Yeah, it's oh, so it's cool. The, the the decor and everything. It's just awesome. And there's aircon. 
Yes, so, winner. winner. That's a selling point. These days. <laughs> yeah. used to, that used to be a selling point outside pubs. It used to be like, we've got aircon. <laughs> now, actually, it's like, yeah, that's actually a thing. Um, yeah, follow us on at the Nightcaps, uh, at the Nightcap Pod on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all the usual places. Uh, send us any recommendations, thoughts, questions, whatever you want. Uh, I think we're going to continue to do the film club for a bit longer. And then we've also discussed maybe when things are starting to creep back to normal and maybe Salt opens again. Yeah, we'll get our guests back. Uh, yeah. But then also we might do a few sort of like just episodes talking about what life's like back in restaurants now and and maybe do like mailbag episodes where we just have questions from the audience about how you're doing stuff or mm. you know, not even questions about current climate, just about anything. Yeah, um, no, it's a great idea. Fun to do. Yeah, definitely. Cool. Nice one, mate. Much planned for the rest of the day? Um, just taking the kids to my mum's and that's it really. Go out on the bike later maybe. Yeah. Perfect. Oh, hear the man, thunderstorms. Heat, f- yeah. Cycle to a river and jump in. Oh, That's mate, I might do, do yeah, or a canal or something around here. Yeah. <laughs> canal, yeah. <laughs> cool, nice one. Have right. a safe cycle, and uh, yeah, we'll see you all next week. Yeah, see you later. Bye.